Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Welcome to the worst podcast on Mars. I'm Amanda. I'm Cousin Garlic. Cousin Garlic. Uh Please explain. Uncle Salty. Cousin Garlic. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. It makes sense. Um... This is the worst podcast on Mars, also known as Plays Planes in the Toy Box. That was bad. I told you it was bad. I told you it was going to be bad. Um, this is the podcast where we pick an album off a list. It is a list. I'll tell you what the list is later. But we pick an album off of that list and we um, dive into the history of it and why it was so important for music or whatever. It could be, could be important to rock and roll or a certain genre of rock or for the band itself. Um, and then we listen to it, give our reviews and we try not to kill each other along the way. So, um, do you have any corrections from last week? I do not. Do you? Kind of. Um, a listener reached out and said that you were incorrect in your information for the monkeys. You had said that um, Davy Jones was the drummer, where I think, and you looked it up and you read it, because we, we had talked about this, and this person said that Mickey Dolenz, is that how you say, was the drummer. Well, you had looked it up, and basically a lot of, a lot of the members played a lot of the instruments, and the way it was worded, it was kind of misleading. He wasn't the drummer for the Monkees, but he was also a drummer. Well, he was a drummer. He played, he was credited with drums on the Monkees recordings. Yeah. But Mickey Dolenz is technically the drummer. But I... you, you had your information, you looked it up, you know, so, but I'm addressing it because it was addressed to me. So there it is. Um. Do you have any grievances? Mm, yes, but no. Yes. But so no. So no, no. If you're gonna say yes, tell me what your grievance is. I should know my family members. I should be. I should know about the monkeys. I should know my family reunion. I hate you so much. <laughs> you're su- you're such an idiot. Nobody's gonna listen to this. Um. So, do you have any grievances? No. I do not have any grievances. Are you having a conversation for me? Yes. Great. Uh, I guess we'll get started then. Um, So, this week we're talking Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic. This was released April 8th, uh, 1975, and is number 54 on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's definitive list of 200 albums. Um, So, I'll just get right into it. Toys in the Attic was Aerosmith's third studio album. At the time of this release, the single Dream On had actually been released three times and was a flop the first two. Up until this album, their biggest fan base outside of the Boston area was in Marion, Ohio. Why? I I honestly don't know. That's what it said, and I thought, you know, we're based in Ohio. I thought that was just interesting. But you have Boston, a big city. Marion's a decent-sized town. Nowhere near the size of Boston. Sure shit, nobody outside of the six family members that listen to this know it. But, you know, it's... I thought that was weird. It specifically said at the time they they were local favorites because they're from Boston. Yeah. And then Marion, Ohio. And I have no clue. 
Massachusetts and Ohio are not even neighbors in the states. How do you even... I, I don't know. I don't... Legitimately don't know. But Well, um, what was his name, the radio DJ? Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Do you know how many radio DJs there the, are? The early uh, advocate of rock and roll. Um, Alan Freed. Wasn't he based in Ohio? That's why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland. But yeah, can the, you please look when I go on to my next point? Could you please look it up and make sure that's the right name? But that's yeah, he was based in Cleveland, and that's why he like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland is because he that's where he DJed, and he was a big advocate for rock and roll. But that was also a lot earlier than mid seventies. Hey, he went to Ohio State. Was uh, it Alan Freed? Yeah. Uh, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, Youngstown, Ohio, and Akron, Ohio. So I don't know if any of those are relatively close. I think Marion's closer to the Columbus area, like center of the state. But anyway, don't think it was because of him. So, uh, the songs have a wide range of themes beyond sex and drugs, but even include a biblical story in Adam's Apple and the first ever song against child abuse in Uncle Salty. What's your face about? You're whole, you're sitting it back like you want to say something studious I'm and I know nothing smart ever comes out of your mouth. I'm stroking my Jafar beard. Are you about to do something nefarious? Maybe. God, I can't look at you. So producer on this, Jack Douglas, he noted that this album was more sophisticated than their first two. The band had been honing their skills and creating their signature sound while on tour. But they were also getting higher quality drugs as their popularity began to increase. Tom Hamilton, Aerosmith's bassist, claimed the cocaine was used, quote, as an energizer and mind cleaner. So they were, you know, they're at a time where they are getting a little more popular and they're getting out of the Boston area and... Into the Marion area. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen that Laffy Taffy? You, yeah, you've seen that Laffy Taffy rapper? What's between Dayton, Ohio, and Marion, Ohio? Engaging. Engagement, yeah. Um, anyway, that was my terrible dad joke that I told poorly. Um, back to the drugs. So, they, um, they're at this time where they're, they're, they're not, you know, widely popular. They're not really successful, but... They're touring more and they're finding better drugs and not just like more effective drugs than pot, but like higher quality drugs. So it's, they're using that as kind of, you know, as a way to push their artistic limits. No surprise, right? I mean. Well, isn't it what? The Toxic Twins? Yeah. I mean, you look. You look at anybody in this era of rock and roll, and I don't think you can name anybody who has n not used drugs. Frank Zappa. You're kidding. No. The, Shut the, the front door. That's the way the story goes, is he never took any drugs. Yeah. I will look more into that while you're yeah. going. One of their biggest hits, Walk This Way, was inspired by James Brown. They wanted a funk feel, and Joe Perry just decided to write something with that feel rather than just covering Brown itself. 
The title for the song came from Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein, the scene where Marty Feldman's Igor limps at the train station where he picks up Gene Wilder and he says, walks this way, and Gene follows him doing the same limp and everything. That's where the title came from. Sweet Emotion brought on a new instrument for the band, a sugar packet. The sound you hear that you think is like maracas is actually a sugar packet that Tyler found on the console. This was a song for Outsiders two years before Pink really took off. Not, that's not an I, that's a U, <laughs> before punk really took off. It became an anthem for underage troublemakers who butted heads against authority. I thought that was interesting. We talked kind of different instruments in the Beatles and, and how they experimented with the different sounds and how you bring in different things. I, I will always remember, so I, I have a music minor. So I had to take like music theory and um, I had to take different like music classes. So I took like a jazz class. I took a musical theater class. I took um, a bunch of di- a bunch of different things. But like one, you had to take a, just a basic introduction to music. And I will always remember the, what the professor gave us the definition for music. Do you know what that is? A series of notes. No. Organized sound. Okay. So you can take anything and create music as long as you take this sound and you organize it in some way. That's what they did with the sugar packet. They used it as an instrument, added another layer to their sound. Yes. Okay. Two things. One, would uh, metal machine music be considered music then? Because it's... Essentially, just feedback. This is a Lou but they're Reed using album. it in an organized way. I don't think it was though. I think he just let the guitar like lean against the amp. That's a that's an interesting album. That's a that's a mm-hmm. deep dive into something else. I found the uh, Frank Zappa thing. Okay. Uh, Frank Zappa from the psychedelic rock band The Mothers of Invention did not drink, smoke cannabis, or use any hard drugs. And the other thing. Uh, Zappa would fire any musician working for him if he found them using speed, heroin, or cocaine. It's interesting. I don't think I ever knew that. It is. It's interesting because you look at what music he put out over the years, and you're like, "How are you not on drugs?" Yeah, yeah. And and you think of all the big groups at this time, like you have the Stones, and you have, um. Beatles and you have um you know Black Sabbath those are three big ones I know of that absolutely use drugs I mean you think of Ozzy today and you think of Keith Richards today and you can't tell me with a straight face that they never touch drugs at all you know what I mean it's yeah so it's it's that's interesting this yeah that's really interesting um so that's that's all I had for the background I had a little trouble finding anything of significance that talked about it so basically this album it it was the thing that broke Aerosmith that that like made them so popular so that's why it's on this list because Aerosmith is such a a huge group and this is kind of what got them going yes I was going through Wikipedia a little bit of course you were apparently Joe Perry said in his autobiography 
Our first two albums were basically comprised of songs we've been we had been playing for years live in the clubs. With toys, we started from scratch. Making this record, we learned to be recording artists and write songs on a deadline. In the process, we began to see just what Aerosmith could accomplish. With with everyone throwing in ideas, toys was our breakthrough. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, and I'll here in a in a second. I'm gonna talk like how well the album did. But that's, yeah, they, they needed this. And like I said, you know, Dream On had been released twice already. Three times already. The first two times, it did nothing. It just, they weren't getting the traction. And there was something about this album that made people outside of Boston and Marion <laughs> really look at them and, and say, this group fucking rocks, you know? So do you have anything you would like to add before I move on? Uh, no, because it would, it would apply after, uh, reception. Okay. So, uh, Toys, Toys in the Attic sold over 9 million copies, peaked at number 11 on the charts, staying on the charts for 128 weeks, hit nine times platinum status, and remains the band's biggest selling album to date. The songs Toys in the Attic, Sweet Emotion, and Walk This Way have been used 21 times in various movies, TV shows, and video games. And Toys is part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. This song still gets radio play today, even though it never charted and is frequently played in Aerosmith's live sets, often opening the show. Toys? Yep. The singles released were Sweet Emotion, which peaked at number 36 on the Billboard Hot 100, Walk This Way at number 10 on um, Billboard Hot 100. Sweet Emotion holds three times platinum status and Walk This Way just one time. Um, walk This Way. When And this is this is the version I hear okay. all the time. I, I, you, and even, even radio play now, you tend to hear this version and you don't hear the original from this album. But Walk This Way would later be remixed with Run DMC in 1986. The move not only revived Aerosmith's career, but created a link between rock and hip-hop, building on the backbeat and rap-style lyrical delivery of the original. So, have you ever heard... The, I'm sure you've heard the Run DMC mm-hmm. one, right? So, it's... When I when I was listening to the album, I was very confused, because I hear both versions at the same yeah. time, just like um, I hear the Weird Al version of american pie right and i i hear it in my head and i'm i have to stop it's like wait a minute right. what am i listening to and that's it it was a it, like i said it, it was a like a smooth connection for the two because the original flowed so well with steven tyler like his delivery was almost like a rap to where run dmc came in and they just did minor tweaks with it and not just did a cover of it but we did it with Aerosmith, and it rocked so hard. I love that. I love that version. And I think, I could be wrong, I think it was used for Miss Doubt, Mrs. Doubtfire. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. Well, it's an old movie. My last point, um, Aerosmith was inducted into the Hall, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2001. Okay. I have, That's it. I have one thing to add. Yes. I had heard the story for years, but I didn't know what it, was associated with have you heard the story about steven tyler wanting to do a cover of a, of an aerosmith song 
No. Okay, so apparently they're doing a Done With Mirrors tour. So they're kind of looking at what songs they're going to play. And DJ's playing uh, You See Me Crying, which is, I think, the last track on the album. Steven Tyler apparently had a bunch of memory loss from all the drugs. So he suggested they do a cover of it. I think it was Joe Perry said, that's us, you fuckhead. <laughs> like, he did not realize that he wanted to do a cover of his own song. I I read something similar. It didn't it didn't mention that specifically, but they were like I think it was no, okay, now I did these notes a month ago. A month ago, Evan. Um but it was something similar like to the effect that this these songs came out so long ago and like they remember the hits that people like and that they have to play but they don't necessarily remember all these other things so he's like i did that that was me you know it's yeah they they don't know anymore which i get because so i listen to these episodes after you edit them before they go on air and i'm like i said that that's the thing i said i'm saying it right now I don't remember it, you know, a month down the line when you finally get to it. And it was, it was only, it wasn't even 10 years later, though, yeah. when when this incident was. Like, I can understand it now with your ba- brain being fried after. I was going to say, drugs do that. <laughs> 40 years of drugs. Yeah. So, um, I'll thanks to you, or thank you, thank you to my sources. You're welcome. I'm a little tired. <laughs> no surprise. I'm always tired when we do this. So thank you to Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic, 45th anniversary, uh, Steven Tyler, Brad Whitford on Redbeard, or nope, by Redbeard, <laughs> no date, on inthestudio.net. That was a interview they did with those two. Um, thank you to every song on Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic, ranked from worst to best by Howard Johnson on August 7th, 2016 on loudersound.com. Thank you to Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic, a track-by-track guide by Michael Christopher, published April 8th, 2020 on ultimateclassicrock.com. Thank you to Aerosmith Toys in the Attic by The Numbers by Eric, Erica ba- Banis. Yeah. <laughs> published April 8th, 2021 on uh, WRIF.com. Thank you to Toys in the Attic Turns 40, ranking the songs on Aerosmith's classic album by Mike McPadden. Published April 7th, 2015 on VH1.com. Thank you to Aerosmith Toys in the Attic. No author, no date on Last.fm. Last.fm. I'm increasingly, every episode we have, I get worse and worse. That's a drug you still do to you. I met Foreman does wonders. Um, Thank you to Aerosmith Toys in the Attic. Certified nine times platinum in U.S. But no author. um, November 9th, 2021 on Blabbermouth.net. Thank you to Aerosmith Tell the Story Behind Their Hard Rock Masterpiece, Toys in the Attic by Dan Weiss, published May 4th, 2015 on Spin.com, and that's it. Before you get interviews, um, since I pulled up the Frank Zappa thing, thank you to Why Did Rock Legend Frank Zappa Live Drug-Free by Jimbo Jacks, uh, published December 9th, 2021 on TheThings.com. The Things, okay. The Things That Go Bump in the Night. Okay. So, why don't you give me a break so I can get a drink and you can do your reviews while I drink from this very loud water bottle. Oh, you want me to go first on my reviews? Yes. 
So I'm going to go back a little bit. So last week I said that I liked the bookends for Marshall Mathers, but didn't really care for the middle of the album. Mm -hmm. This is the opposite. I liked 4, 5, and 6, which was Walk This Way, Big 10-inch Record, and Sweet Emotion, but didn't really care for the rest of the album. I didn't add it here. Sorry to interrupt you. I didn't add it here because I didn't think it was really all that important. But did you know Big Ten Inch Record was a cover? Yes. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's faithful, more faithful to the original than a new version. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And offhand, I can't think of who the original was by because like I said, I did these a month ago. But uh, yeah. And I know I know a lot of artists, they put out, you know, they'll do covers. Yeah, especially whatever. early on in their careers, like the third album. Yeah. But it's it's a, it's a, like a very bluesy it's it's blues it's a very little known um artist i can't think of what his name is offhand but um it's not muddy waters comes to mind and i know that's not it because he's well known but i think it starts with an m i'll look it up while you're doing your review but other than that you know i didn't necessarily care for the album i don't know if it's i don't like aerosmith or i just didn't like the album because there's not really a whole lot i'm not as familiar with aerosmith as some of these other mm-hmm. bands that we've gone over so i would have to say it's it's good you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. it's not i'm not saying that it's a bad album but for me it's it's another one of those generic sounding i understand that it's their big break mm-hmm. and all that but to me it doesn't have any i have no connection to it i have no like state like flag in the ground this is this is the hill i'm gonna die on why this album is so great Mm -hmm. so it'd probably be like a middle of the road b okay what are you keeping uh sweet emotion walk this way yeah okay um so kind of similar aerosmith for me was just one of those bands that was always lukewarm for me I, I like them, and, you know, back when illegal streaming was a thing, or illegal downloading was a thing, they were one of the first bands that I had, like, downloaded and burned all of their, the, like, their their entire catalog. First I did the Beatles, and then I did Aerosmith. Um, I like some of their later work, like Crying and Crazy are two of I my think, favorite I songs. think those are both 90s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because... When they were big is when I was into MTV and Alicia Silverstone and his daughter Liv were in the videos. I remember those, but not the point. Um, you know, I like them. I enjoyed all their songs, but would just was never really into them. And I kind of mentioned the same thing for Fleetwood Mac. You know, that I enjoyed what was on the radio, but it never wanted me to, like search them out more yeah and even though i did download everything i never really like sat down and listened to it yes yeah um so aerosmith was they were a little higher on that list for me than fleetwood mac was you know because i you know i did that i and i knew more of their songs just because they got more songs on the air um i enjoy more of their catalog but never checked them out. Never checked an album out as a whole. Um, so going into this, 
I was excited. I was disappointed, <laughs> surprised that I couldn't find more information about the actual album. Um, a lot of what I found pretty much all said the same thing that I presented here and nothing really stood out as being incredibly significant except for the fact that this was the album that launched the group into stardom. I was also disappointed with the album overall. It's a kick-ass album. The music is good and I found myself sort of dancing along as I listened, but nothing really stood out as being exceptionally great for me. I was hoping to like it more, but the, um, the majority of the Aerosmith songs I like are from later albums, like I said, you know, Crying Crazy. My favorite Aerosmith song, Hole in My Soul. It's not just push play. It's it's is it the one with I think it's the one with the harmonica on the front. I have no clue because it's just something that's just been on my phone forever. Hole in my soul. So um, I'm keeping walk this way, big ten inch record, sweet emotion, and round and round. Almost the same ones you are. Um, and I give it. How about I give it something? I didn't write that down. Um, I'm gonna give it a B plus. Yeah, it's about like, the same. Like, maybe you, half a point away from an A-. minus. You gave it a little bit more than I did because you liked an extra song. Yeah. Hole in My Soul is from uh, Nine Lives. Okay. It's the one with the cat tied yeah. to the wheel. Yeah. Um, the other thing, before I, I just lost it and I gained it back, uh, Big Ten Inch Record was first recorded in 1952 by Bull Moose Jackson. See, there's an M in there. Yeah. There's an M in there. So I said, I said, Muddy Waters was thinking Moody Blues. I knew the M was right. I was. And there's a B, B in, there. in there. Yeah, and other letters that are similar along the way. Okay, final thoughts. No, um, I do well. Maybe we can try a different Aerosmith album for reviews days. You know, mm-hmm. we we kind of said the same thing about Earth, Wind, and Fire. That you know maybe it's this album wasn't great but we want to give it another shot or want to give them another shot yeah yeah um fleetwood mac although there's another one on the Mm. list but maybe a different fleetwood mac album than uh i think we did fleetwood mac so rumors would be the other one yeah 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 if we get there yeah something something different yeah yeah so um overall i was just kind of disappointed with the album It, it wasn't bad but it's just not something I would come back to regularly. Just didn't do it for me. So, um, but I do, there's a lot of Aerosmith songs I like. And that's one regret I have. I wish I, I saw them. One of my friends in college, she went with her boyfriend and I had the opportunity to go. But I was, because I wasn't into them, I'm like, I'm not going to spend my money. She said it was an amazing concert and I wish I would have gone. Speaking of that, kind of, I had an opportunity for uh, Metallica and ACDC. Yeah. But I, I didn't have the money to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it. it is what it is. I mean, you have to be financially smart. And if you can't, you can't. Yeah, but, this was also like 15 years ago. Right. We, we all can't skip school and go see big name artists, mom, and, and lie about going and seeing Queen, mom. And I don't know how you paid for it. Mom, <laughs> but <laughs> she probably sold drugs. <laughs> you know you're gonna get shit from her when Dad tells her about it. She sold drugs to Aerosmith. That's where they got their high quality <laughs> drugs. She's in Ohio. <laughs> we 
we are nowhere close to Mary. Not to like triangulate us, but we're nowhere close. You wouldn't know that. You don't know where you are. Okay. Um, recommendations, Evan. Wait, no. Yes, we do recommendations now before we do this day in history. Recommendations are knowing what you're going to be talking about before we just dive into it. Um, let's see. What am I into now? I, did I What did I talk about last week? I don't know. I don't listen to you. I am, I am just really, really, really into podcasts. I don't listen to much music anymore outside of doing whatever you assign to me um, for our podcast um, and listening to Ghost at Night. Oh, I still listen to I listen to probably two albums. I try and listen to two albums a day. Just Do uh, you now? I try. And you try to interrupt me every chance you get? Dang. Um, I'm, I'm really into podcasts right now. I don't know what it is. It's... It, it's... Uh, I, I listen to all my current ones. I started... And I know I'm... I am over 10 years behind. Well, no, they started in 2012. So I'm 10 years behind. Um... Last podcast on the left, I started that like two months ago. I think you're in 2015. 2016. I'm about... Mm-hmm. Moving on up. I'm about September of 2016. Um, I, I'm i trying to knock out a year a week. <laughs> and that's... I mean, it's a lot. They put out two episodes a week. But um, that's how much I listen. So I, I know I'm late, but I'm recommending last podcast on the left. If you're looking... Trying, trying to find a new, new podcast, they, they do... Um, a little bit of everything. They do true crime. They do horror. They do. Um, do you know what creepy pastas are? Mm, I know. I know the term. I'm not as familiar with it as you are because I don't live with podcasts. Slender Man was a creepy pasta. It's a story that started on the internet, kind of thing. Have you heard about the Russian sleep story? Mm-hmm. That is. That's bizarre. Well, a couple of my podcasts have talked about that. Yeah, so you you learn a lot and a lot of creepy like un, unexplained things like um oh shit, it's I can't think of the name of it, but it's some some trail in in Russia where like these these hikers they went on a hike and, in the 50s? Yes. Yeah, I know what, it I know what you're talking about. And I can't think of what I it don't. is. Donner um, party. No, it's not the Donner party. I know what you're talking about and they were were they that's a whole where we got way off track yeah anyway it's i recommend for last podcast on the left okay do your this day in history okay so this episode should come out on september 30th so on if you remember to post it it should i mean i might post it at noon but i'll still post it so september 30th 1965 donovan made his u.s television 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 debut on shindig Along with the Hollies, the Turtles, and the Dave Clark Five, and I know a couple Donovan songs, and I don't realize it being that old. Season of the Witch. Is that Donovan? Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking. That's um, a good song. I love that song. Isn't it Mellow Yellow? Uh, might be. And I think Sunshine Superman. Mm-hmm. I think those are the only ones I really know, and I'm not even sure if that's the right artist. Well, you can look it up. Do my research. Yeah. Set your sources. And and you can, you know, do a correction next week. September 30th, 1974. 
Police were called to a Leonard Skinner and Blue Oyster Cult concert after a fight broke out. Over a cowbell. Between two sound engineers. <laughs> over the cowbell. The Skinner Rody claimed that the sound had been deliberately turned off during the band's set. Because there was not enough cowbell. They need more cowbell. Are you done? No. <laughs> I will never be done. <laughs> September 30th, 1978. John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John had their second UK number one from the film Grease with... You're the one I want. Summer Nights. I don't know what the first one was, but Summer Nights was the second one. Uh, seven weeks at number one, it became... That sentence doesn't make sense. You don't make sense. I know, but <laughs> this sentence doesn't make sense either. Seven weeks at number one, it became the second best-selling single of 1978, Beaten By. Oh, um, wasn't Thin Lizzy? Boys Are Back in Town? Yeah. Jailbreak? No. Neither of those. Oh, wait, we, well, we'd said something before in a previous This Day in History, and Grease and Thin Lizzy, I thought, were mentioned together. I don't know, what was it, Beat By? Saturday Night Fever. Oh, another Travolta thing? Yeah. Interesting. Um, September 30th, 1993, Kate Pearson from the B-52s was charged with criminal mischief and trespassing during an anti-fur protest at Vogue's New York City offices. September 30th, 1995, Mariah Carey made chart history when she started an eight-week run at number one on the U.S. singles chart with Fantasy, making her the first female act to enter the chart in pole position. Okay. I don't think that's necessarily worded the most appropriately, but that's <laughs> what it says. This one I'm a little confused on. September 30th, 1999. Chris DeBurgh, I don't know who that is. His website was closed down after countless obscene messages were posted on the guest book. One message consisted entirely of two four-letter words repeated 3,500 times. <laughs> what is the second one? I have a guess as to what the first one would be. But We're not going to say those words because this is a family-friendly podcast, goddammit. <laughs> um, September 30th, 2003. An auction of the contents of Sir Elton John's London home raised more than 1.4 million pounds. An oil painting entitled Madison Square Park sold for 67,200 pounds and a 19th century portrait of Lieutenant George Dyer, painted by James Northcott, Northcote, N-O-R-T-H-C-O-T-E, in 1817, fetched 55,200 pounds. Sir Elton sold off the item so he could redecorate his home in a more modern style. Okay. September 30th. But he didn't sell the cock rings. I don't think he had them at that point. September 30th, 2006. Justin Timberlake started a two-week run at number one on the U.S. album chart with his second solo album. Uh, the one with Bringing Sexy Back. I don't know. It's not Justified was his first one, I think. Okay. Future Sex Love Sounds. Yes, that's the one with um, Sexy Back. Which also became the biggest album ever for pre-orders on iTunes. I'm bringing a sexy... <laughs> <laughs> That's all I hear. <laughs> I'm a... I'm an old... Uh, I'm an old timer. 
I don't know what my thought process yeah, was, and that, that's continue, where I went. But I know you're going to edit that out to make yourself look better, but you're not going to delete any of no, the shit not, I said. No, I'm not editing that out. That's staying in there. Uh, <laughs> 40s. 40s gangster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, September 30th, 2016. A schoolboy from Philadelphia who had skipped class... To go see Queen. <laughs> To meet his musical hero, handed his teacher an absence note with a difference. The typewritten note was signed by Hmm. Bruce Springsteen. Really? Fifth grader met the star at a meet and greet at the Free Liberty of Philadelphia when Springsteen was in town signing copies of his new autobiography. Hmm. And then I've got some birthdays for you. Right. But not a lot because we don't want the weight to collapse under the candles. We're just going to leave that one go. Stop. Stop being stupid. <laughs> no. Okay. I don't think that's possible. Go. Johnny Mathis. Oh, I know that name. Uh, U.S. singer. 1976 U.K. number one single, When a Child is Born, plus 10 other U.K. top 40 singles. His greatest hits album spent over nine years on the U.S. chart. 50. 35. Oh, damn. Why are we taking so long? Because I'm going through and remembering the, reading the next ones, figuring out which one I want. Frankie Lyman, singer for Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. He died from a drug overdose on the 27th of February, 1968. Aged. I don't want to give it away. 45. 42. And I think it's cute. How you thought that if you said the year, I would be able to do the, <laughs> do math, the math in my head. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to give you credit. Like, if it doesn't end in a zero, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn McCoo. Singer, 1977, U.S. number one and U.K. number seven single, You Don't Have to Be a Star. 47. 43. Mark Bolin. English guitarist, singer, songwriter, best known as the lead... T-Rex. Yep. Yeah, you got called out on that, by the way. What? That You had mentioned that in a previous episode not too long ago. And you said you, said you thought he was part of T-Rex when he was part of T-Rex. I'm just repeating what hey, I was Hey, yeah, I was trying to be accurate and not... Dig myself into a hole by saying, hey, he was part of Stegosaurus when he was part of T-Rex. Jesus Christ. Okay, yes, T-Rex, continue. Okay, what year was he born? 47. 47. American musician Bill Riflin, who came to prominence in the 1990s mainly for his work as a drummer with groups such as Ministry, Swans, Chris Connolly, Nine Inch Nails, and The Revolting Cocks. Hmm. <laughs> He worked regularly with R.E.M. following the retirement of Bill Berry in 1997. 52. 60. The jump. I've got one more. Okay. Ben Lovett, English musician who plays guitar, accordion, percussion, keyboard, and piano with Mumford & Sons. 77. 86. God damn it. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add? No, other than this was a very interesting episode to get through. 
it's, it was shorter. It's not it's not that we didn't like it. And it, that's another thing that's been brought to my attention is they can immediately tell if it's an album we're going to like based on how long it is. And I, I said that's not necessarily the truth. Because it's if I don't have a lot of information or personal experience to fluff from, like the last two we did, Doogie and especially Eminem, I found so much information. I I think those are both over an hour, but Earth, Wind & Fire is only 37, and and same with uh, Ziggy Stardust. Well, as I was trying to say before you so rudely interrupted me, is that I had a lot of information, but I also had a lot of like personal experience from around that time to pull from and kind of fluff things out, and I don't have that here for either one. I don't have a lot of experience like with this album. Wasn't even alive yet. And I could not find a lot of detailed information about it. So it's not, not that we didn't like it. I mean, we didn't love it, but we didn't hate it. I mean, if you want to, if you want to nitpick and say the short episodes are albums we hated, then we don't like any of our reviews days albums. (laughs) Those are short on purpose. The cat is coming to say hi to you. Oh my God, it's so cute. I can't stand. Oh no, she wanted to go see the other cat. She hates you. Okay. So, uh. Thank you for listening, if you made it this far. Um, Find us on Twitter and Spotify, no, Twitter and Instagram at WorstPodOnMars. Send us an email at WorstPodOnMars at gmail.com. WorstPodOnMars at gmail.com. Audio medium. They can't see you doing sign language. (laughs) Um, Leave us a rating. Review us. Like, we keep saying we will do better if you leave us a nice, good one. I'll read it. I'll read it out here. I'll put your name out here. Um, engage with us. We can say hi and, and shout back. And, you know, we've already, I've already talked to you about people who have reached out and said, hey, you idiots got this wrong. And we address it and we correct it because we want to grow and we want to do better. At least I do. I can't speak for Evan because he's just sitting there looking at me. I'm not looking like, at you. I'm looking at the cat. Yeah. Okay. So, um... Find us, say hi, rate it, review it. We'll do better. Try to do better. Can only work with so much, Evan. So come back next week when we do ACDC's Highway to Hell. Okay, bye. I don't have a lot. What is it called? Hold on, sorry. What is it called? It's It's the one where all the hikers, they were like... Most of them were found dead the next morning. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking like about. So, some not wearing any clothes, some missing eyeballs. Um, yeah. Uh, there was one survivor. Russian D Trail. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting. Russian Trail. Diet Love Pass. Yes, Diet Love Pass. Yeah. I was like, I know the story. Yeah, it, it's a creepy story. Okay, sorry. But I think that's real. It is real, but. Nobody knows what happened, like, why any of that happened. So there's a bunch of, like, conspiracy theories and... Aliens, I think. Aliens is one of them. Um, A government cover-up is another one. Because weren't there... Wasn't there, like, radiation? Yeah. So just an animal attack gone wrong kind of thing, or... Just weird. All sorts of weird things. Okay, continue.